know the difference between emoji and emoticons? Do you use them in your communications at all? Do you write them out in hand or do you use them on the computer in tweets or Facebook posts? Welcome to Season 1, Episode 4 of Who Cares What's the Point? The podcast about the mind for people who think. My name is Saab Johal, your host and producer of this podcast, and you can follow the show on Twitter at WCWTP or go to whocareswhatsthepoint.com for more details about the show. You can find us on iTunes, the Google Play Store, or Stitcher, and you can also follow me at Saab on Twitter too. In this fourth show of the season, I talk with Michael Phillip of Massey University School of Psychology here in New Zealand. Now, Michael and his students are interested in how emoji and emoticons are used in computer-based communication, so those emails, tweets, and Facebook posts, that kind of thing. I start by asking Michael how he became interested in this in the first place. Sure. Well, my um, background is out of communication studies. And uh, in communication, one of the things I became really interested in was the extent to which a lot of the kind of cues we use to behave and interact with other people are nonverbal cues. Uh, a lot of our um, emotional kind of intentions, but also sort of our social intentions are communicated nonverbally. And that really got me interested in the persuasion and attitude change literature around how we go about sort of um, changing people's attitudes, changing people's behaviors um, on an everyday basis. As I kind of pursued that in communication, I realized that a lot of that work was happening in psychology. And so I switched over to psychology. Um, a lot of my work looks at how we use nonverbal expressions, whether those are um, facial expressions or behavioral gestures, use of space and things to negotiate our social interactions. But the idea of emoticons is, is a quite interesting one in that it's very much um, a nonverbal medium that happens in a, in a verbal um, in a verbal medium, it's sort of this this conjunction of, of the idea of having symbols and text that we're used to typing, but it's not decoded. We we don't our brain doesn't see it as text. We see these um, emoticons as faces, and um, and in fact they're actually processed very differently than words are processed, um, and they have a lot of the features of faces. And so I had this conversation with some students of mine few years back who volunteer in our lab here and they got interested in it because of course these are emoticon natives now um these 20 year 20 year olds um coming up and you know and they're kind of many of them are just sort of new to the idea of emoji as well and so it's kind of that blending of um these emotional icons and they got interested in sort of how we process these as well and and how we go about kind of communicating um emotional and social information through these um, text channels, whether that's um, you know, via texts on uh, your phone or through email, and, um, and kind of seeing how they influence people differently than words and how, how much more impactful they can be. Sure, because there's, there's two ends to this, isn't there? There's the person who is writing the message or putting up a, some kind of posting on the web uh, and their intention around their communication, but also the receiver as well, right? How they, um, how that message impacts upon them, how they process that information. You mentioned, you mentioned a couple of things there, the emoticon and the emoji. Um, so can you maybe explain the difference between the two? Sure. 
Yeah, so emoticons are probably, if you're over the age of 30, um, you've probably used or seen an emoticon at some point in your life if you're using the internet, um, probably on email especially. And this is where, um, as you're typing along uh, in a message, you might see a colon, uh, those two dots kind of vertically aligned, uh, followed by a bracket um, to the right of it, um, and a, an a closed bracket, which kind of makes then a, a smiley face turned at 90 degrees. Now, if you're um, kind of over 35 or 40, you're probably used to putting a dash in between that colon and bracket. And if you're under 30, you might find the colon uh, dash bracket very disturbing. Um, this is something we found as well. So there's a culture around creating these. But originally back in the, um, gosh, it was even before the 1970s. I mean, the, well, it was back in the 1970s. These emoticons started on sort of these local bulletin boards that people had set up uh, when they were talking to each other. And these sort of emerged as ways of sh sort of giving the nonverbal kind of equivalent of a smile, you know, uh, that we would normally give in communication um, in a very kind of emotionless medium. And so we use that a lot now um, to kind of kind of convey the intention of a message uh, to help sort of relay the positive feelings behind it or perhaps negative feelings behind it uh, where the words might be a little more ambiguous. Um, emoji, on the other hand, are these very graphically um, kind of animated, uh, almost animated. I guess some of them animate, some of them don't. But um, these orange round faces that, that look very much like um, smiley faces. They're indistinguishable. They're not text-based. They don't have the brackets. They're just these usually yellow heads that are smiling, frowning, increasingly doing all sorts of other things. Um, and so the the emoji are sort of the um, grandchildren of the emoticon in many ways. And then that's turned into a lot of other stuff as well. So it's emoticons, I think, probably are still around. But even if you try to type an emoticon into um, Microsoft Word or other programs these days, it'll turn it into an emoji pretty quick. It'll turn it into a little icon um, because it thinks that that's what you're looking for is a smiley face and trying to make it a little more compatible. So I imagine over time, these emoticons will become less popular as the emoji take over. But um, I think it's still interesting kind of at a emotion processing level, um, kind of thinking about the psychology of it, how the emoticons still have the effect they did, but also looking at sort of has people transition into emoji, um, what that means for sort of the symbols they're using and, and how those are interpreted, as you say, both from the you know, sender and the receiver side of things. It is interesting how rapidly it's changing, isn't it? Um, I, <laughs> yeah. I, I've seen some operating systems now. I'm thinking particularly of the Apple um, operating system, the um, the mobile one, which is my, what I'm most familiar with, is sometimes whole chunks of text are replaced by e emoji. And it's not just facial emoji, it's other representations as well. So it's really interesting how um, that's rapidly changing the nature of communication. And as you say, I don't think we really understand how that's perhaps perhaps impacting upon the intention and how that uh, communication is received. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's there's the intention of the receiver, intentionally re the sender. But of course, as you mentioned, there's also the, you know, we're now mediated sort of by the um, the platform that we're using. And, and one of the kind of things you're finding um, with emoji is that different platforms sort of have different representations of these emojis. So underlying, there's a universal sort of um, code set up for these uh, emoji and, and each platform sort of has um, an icon that kind of correlates with that code but of course each platform doesn't have to have identical ones and so recently um, Apple switched its gun emoji to a squirt gun um, it's much more sort of playful uh, gun than other uh, platforms use that use much more realistic looking guns right and so you can imagine that has 
that you know the platform you use if i send you a gun emoji from my iphone and you receive it on your samsung you know um it could have a very we could we could cross in um meanings quite easily and have miscommunications because of that. And I think similarly with the face emoji, um, how we can communicate um, emotional expressions, there's a lot of talk about what different ones of these mean, despite the fact that, you know, we've sort of, they have labels, you know, that are kind of under underlying them. But do we all kind of make the same meaning out of them? And do people, especially when we're doing them cross-platform, do people, you know, are there, are there, are there opportunities for misunderstandings? That's really interesting because I guess um, what you're saying there is that actually introduces perhaps more ambiguity into that communication. Whereas one of the theories that I think that you're interested in is that the intention around the use of emoticons is actually to try to reduce ambiguity to allow more effective communication. Yeah, and I think I think there is there's a tension. There'll always be a tension there. Um, I mean, you look at just the the example of using a dash in the traditional emoticon. So you have a colon dash kind of closed bracket, which looks like a smiley face on the side, and the dash sort of stands for the nose. And over time, that sort of disappeared. And one of the things we found is that people um, who are used to the dash don't interpret the colon closed bracket as uh, as a smiley face as quickly. They don't they don't kind of have the same kind of automatic response to it as a positive. Um, as a positive symbol as people who are, um, who are, you know, who are used to the other way around. And so it does become sort of, um, enculturated kind of an understanding. Those understandings become shared understandings in the group that use them in a particular way. And that becomes quite different to kind of our facial expressions, right? Which are, we learn quite widely, whether they're perfectly universal or not, they're quite, broadly shared the idea of smiles being sort of these affiliative gestures these just these we put on a smile when we want to get along with other people um and and yet kind of when they become these these icons whether they're you know emoji or or um emoticons they have this more localized meaning in the in the group that we're sharing them with and as you say you know over time these these get to be adopted in in certain uses in groups and when that kind of colloquially happens in a group may not be shared that meaning more broadly a lot of miscommunication can happen for sure so there's a couple of things that interest me in what you were saying i was just reminded that um i've come across sometimes um people who use an emoticon the other way around so rather than using the colon and then bracket whether they have the dash in there or not they actually use the bracket and then the colon and um through further kind of investigation just from my part it seems that that seems to be more common with left-handers um oh really they they use that um uh configuration the other way around so there's an interesting detection that i've noticed because i i was really confused by it at first i was like what does that mean um but yeah, so there's there's cultural differences around how perhaps that's ex- expressed, maybe too. Yeah, and that that actually kind of points to another interesting thing, which is this idea of 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 how we process faces. And so, we know from a lot of the um, face processing literature how we go about perceiving a face and perceiving emotions in other people. Um, we're really good at holistically examining a face, meaning we don't look at the individual features of a face. We take it all in at once, and we can make sense quite quickly of who that person is, the gender of the person, the ethnicity of the person, perhaps, and also the emotional state of the person. We we do that quite well all at once, not by looking at individual features of a face, but by taking it in all at once. And we know this because 
we can actually interfere with holistic processing quite well by simply doing things like inverting a face. So if I flip a face upside down, I become really bad at doing all of those things quite quickly. Um, I need so we we just interrupted sort of our ability to, to holistically process faces. Um, you can do it a, a number of ways, but inverting a face, uh, turning it upside down, is usually the easiest way. And and one of the things we found with the emoticons is the same thing. If you invert it, if you do exactly what you described by doing the uh, bracket colon. Um, People don't recognize it as, if they're not used to it that way. They don't recognize it as a um, as as an emotional expression, and the meaning is uh, isn't as impactful, right? Because it doesn't um, moderate the, the the tone of the message in the same way as if it's the way we we're used to it. And it's interesting as to how people then become come used to using the you know doing it that way. Is it through other? Is it a small group of people doing it that way, or people who are maybe new to emoticons that are you know trying it out for the first time and don't realize they're sort of this this sort of culture around which way you do it. Um, left-handed thing. I've I've never looked at the left-handed thing. That'd be really interesting to see. Um, yeah, but but it does. Um, I, I, I completely identify with that uh, that feeling of feeling bewildered by looking at those the first time. It is. It's curious, isn't it? Because you could uh, end up committing all these cultural faux pas by coming in, uh, blundering in, and, and using these emoticons. Whereas actually, perhaps there's a different set that that's being used within that particular group of people or culture. And and, and it also um, doesn't work that well, um, in my experience, where perhaps there's irony or sarcasm that's being expressed in a in a chain of emails. Often it it may actually increase the ambiguity or can result in people actually looking a little foolish in that situation. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, the the variety of uh, emoticons there are, I mean, you can use the semicolon, right, to, to make it wink um, in, in place of the colon. Um, you know, but then you look at the emoji and it's just, it's a, it's a sort of a numbing kind of <laughs> amount, a numbing number of uh of, of faces and, and sentiment that you can send. And you look at some of these and think, I don't even know what this expression means. And, um, and of course, then when you get one like that, you're not sure what it means. And of course, people, you know, to the extent, I mean, it becomes a very simple communication problem of sender and receiver, you know, what is the sender encoding? What do they mean to send? And what is the, you know, what, what the receiver decodes is actually, you know, don't necessarily need to be the same thing. And, and that becomes a really interesting then communication problem is, is um, thinking about, you know, how do we, coordinate meaning between the two um is it meant to be coordinated is it um is it sometimes the fact that we you know it makes us feel good to pe put people on edge uh by making them feel uncertain i don't yeah it's it's there's a lot there yeah there is a lot there and it really is that um that again is that uh, relationship between the sender and the receiver, uh, and it's been played out not just in the text, but also the perception of what particular uh, punctuation marks and emoticons mean. Which kind of brings me on to what you were trying to do, I guess, in in the work that you were doing was to look to see. Um, what the influence of these emoticons might have upon the receiver, but particularly by looking at some physiological reactions that to a certain extent are beyond conscious control. Is that right? Yeah. So one of the things that we look at and being interested in facial expressions in particular, uh, one of the things we look at is the, the muscles. We measure the muscles that people use to make facial expressions. And so we can use, um, sensors called electromyography sensors. Uh, we, I mean, well, the, the process is called electromyography or EMG, um, which, which 
helps us look at sort of the micro kind of contractions of muscles associated with um, the smiling uh, or frowning um, and various other expressions. And what we did was we essentially monitored the smiling muscles on people's faces. And as we showed them these different emoticons to see sort of if people had these kind of automatic um, mimicry reactions. Now, of course, we can all smile volitionally. We can all put on a smile quite easily. But when we're not thinking about it, um, we, we, we find that, in fact, in positive and negative situations, we smile more, smile less um, in these muscles. And it may not be apparent looking at a person, they're smiling more, smiling less, but these muscles actually um, kind of charge up more in positive situations and less in negative situations. And so if we can monitor those muscles, we can kind of see these micro changes in people's um, almost propensity to smile or not smile in a given situation. And what we find is essentially when we people see emoticons that they're used to seeing and the, and the orientation they're used to seeing them with the uh, configuration they're used to seeing, um, they do auto give a, an automatic smile within about three to 400 milliseconds. They, they reciprocate that smile very much like we do in normal, situ in normal interactions. Um, and um, it's, a, it's a mimicry response. We use these re mimicry responses to help negotiate our, our interactions with the people. And if you give them a smile that they're not used to, if you give them, a, sorry, emoticon they're not used to seeing, whether it's including a bracket when they're not expecting it, or, or sorry, including a dash when they're not expecting it between the colon and bracket, or inverting it, turning it the other way, doing a bracket colon, as you, as you mentioned, um, we see that people don't uh, give this mimicry response. In fact, um, Often you don't see any response at all, even after a good number of seconds, because people are still <laughs> trying to figure out what it is that you've shown them. Um, and this is different to showing people the word smile, for example. So we show the people the word smile and they don't we don't see the same response. Um, so this is very much a response that's that's similar to, you know, looking at other faces. And that's that's sort of interesting. It is interesting um, to me because, I mean, I guess the underlying idea here is this idea of contagion of, of mm. emotion that you can actually um, stimulate uh, the receiver to experience a particular emotion through your communication and not through the text of your communication, but through uh, this mimicry of facial expression that they are cued to receive, either through some kind of innate process, as you mentioned, or through a learnt process. They, they've learnt to group these bits of punctuation together. They recognise that as a face, and then they have the this reaction in their smiling muscles that is um, signaling this contagion, this communication of emotion and their experience of that. Yeah. And, and ideally it's, I mean, it's not necessarily the, the fact that it's going to make everybody feel better about the things you have to say. Obviously if you have a pretty dark message, you know, it's not going to moderate that whole message and make people feel better about it. But I think it does give the, the, you know, the sort of natural smiling that we do every day when we're communicating with people, it sends that same sort of feeling. I mean, I never used emoticons until I started teaching online. Um, and you realize that, you know, often you just need it there because there's there's a lot of times where you're offering constructive feedback and you want it to be taken in a positive way. And, um, and, and the emoticons help. Of course, the platform I use for online teaching converts it instantly to emoji, but that's okay. Um, but but it does, um, I, I think it's an important um, kind of thing that, moderates yeah that that helps to kind of regulate the meaning and kind of help people understand that they're on the right track um that you're not you know that it's not uh, being sent with no feeling whatsoever um yeah 
Have there been any experiments done, Michael, that you know of where there is a clash between the meaning and the emotion that's being or perhaps generated by the text and then followed by a contrasting emoticon that is quite um, uh, clashing with, with that textual message and, and how how they are perceived how the, or how the message is moderated by that? Are you aware of anything like that? I'm trying to think of uh, of emoticon ones, and I don't know of any offhand. I, there are there's a lot of instances of nonverbal communication, um, examples of just other nonverbal communication in the communication literature that look at um, kind of your your gestures and and um, and tone of voice and things as you deliver news to a person, and um, and having some clash between that, having a very negative message, but conveying it in a very positive tone and these kind of things. And there's some evidence that the nonverbal um, kind of element of that really, you know, upregulates, kind of makes it a more positive message. Um, and, and I think that's been, a, whether true or not, there's there's this notion in the communication literature that, you know, the nonverbal signals are in fact kind of the majority of the meaning uh, conveyed in any piece of communication. So it's very difficult to give, to talk to somebody and um, give positive news without any sort of positive affect or expressions. You know, it's not taken as positive then. Um, and I think that's probably the important thing here. I don't know that it will, I don't know how much they can conflict before it seems just insincere or as you were talking about before, sort of sarcastic. Um, but um, I, think it, I think it matters a lot. That'd be an interesting study. Yeah, I think it does matter a lot. I mean, I guess the things that are popping into my head are often people who struggle uh, with communicating around things like change management. Mm-hmm. There, there may be a... Um, a top line where this is going to be beneficial for the business or the company or the organization. But actually, when you work it down, there are some quite serious changes perhaps that might be experienced. Um, and how that's uh, the message is nuanced, but also perhaps followed up inappropriately or appropriately with um, kind of nonverbal emoji emoticon kind of messages through emails inadvertently or purposefully. I mean, I think it would be really curious and I'd be very curious to see how that, how that's received. Yeah, I can speak from a completely, I, I th- what I thought was unrelated, but seemingly related now, um, area of interest of mine, which is looking how we make sense of other people's expressions. And, and one of the things to look out for in that situation that we find is that people who are kind of low in feelings of belongingness, uh, people who might be being exploited or feel exploited, have a stigmatized identity in a, in a social group, they actually are much better and keener at distinguishing more sincere and less sincere emotion in other people. Um, and, and so one of the things you always look out for is this idea that, you know, it gets kind of, people get kind of cynical when they're, um, feel like they might be taken advantage of, or they might be, um, sort of in a low power situation. And in these cases, I think the, the sort of attempt at uh, positive emotion expression without any sincerity behind it can backfire in people. Um, and I think that's, uh, I mean, it's, that's always something that, that's something that's gotten me quite interested recently is, is looking at sort of those instances where we try to put on a fake smile to comfort somebody, but it actually makes things worse um, because a person can tell that it's not a, a genuine felt emotion. And I wonder that about emoji too, if that can sometimes you know, those, there's so many variants of these emoji. Can they backfire if they're sort of, they come across as uns- insincere? Sure. I, I think you're right. I think we're really good at sniffing that stuff out. And if the purpose, <laughs> the purpose of the emoji is to reduce ambiguity, often I think it, um, if it's used context, 
contextually insensitively, it can actually uh, reduce ambiguity, but in a very counter, <laughs> yeah, in a way yeah. that counters what you were actually intending. And it, and it has everything to do with coordinating that meaning. And I think that's the important thing is as a sender realizing that, you know, you're in a very, what you're trying to, the meaning you're trying to send is, is you're trying to coordinate that with other people and they might actually need to see something or hear something different than what you want to say in order to, for them to understand what you want to do or what you want, you know, the, the meaning you want to convey, um, which is always hard. Right. And that's the, I think the, <laughs> I mean, this is why I think you can't, you know, be, you can't participate in online media these days without kind of understanding at least basics of emoji and emoticon and, and what means what, because, um, Otherwise, you're out of touch and you're not actually going to be able to communicate with large swaths of your online community now. And that's um, that can be really confronting to people who have never used <laughs> these uh, these iconic representations of emotions before. Well, and other things. Sure. So so if we think about um, the the basic findings here in, in the research that you're doing, this idea that the uh, emoticons seem to be processed uh, in a similar way to faces, they have this kind of configuration that people recognize quite immediately and it provokes this mimicry uh, response on their faces, this spontaneous smile if they see another smile, uh, mm -hmm. if it kind of makes sense within the context of the message as well. Um, so who, who should care about something like this? What's the point? What are the implications of a finding like this? Well, I think it... it... <laughs> It's a good question. It's an interesting thing for the, the students who are studying it because they're they're using it all the time. And so this is a, on one hand, it's um, so long as it's interesting to the, the students who are kind of uh, learning about psychological research and learning to ask these kinds of questions. Um, I don't care what they do as long as they're interested in finding questions that are relevant to them. On the other hand, I think you know it has it, it gives us some food for thought in using these um, these icons in our everyday lives. It gives us a sense that they perhaps can't be used, um, that, that when we use them, we have to be using them very deliberately and understand the community that we're using them with. Um, we can't, you know, there, there are, they're increasingly becoming very localized languages of their own. Um, but, but not like, but, but with, with that said, not languages and that they're not, they're, they're being processed more fluently and more emotionally than, than language perhaps can be. And so I think it's about being deliberate with the use of them, realizing that, um, not everyone's going to be using them as fluently as we are. Um, if we're, you know, especially if they're coming from a different community than us. And I think so probably at the end, at the end of the day, it's about just being very deliberate and considerate in the use of, of emoji, um, and emoticons and, um, perhaps trying to be more understanding of, um, faux pas that people might make in the use of them. I think there's a lot of, uh, I mean, increasingly there's news stories about, you know, uh, miscommunications with emoji or the representation of, cer of a certain emoji representing certain causes, whether that's the alt-right or whether that's, um, the crying emoji that people are increasingly calling out as, um, as being very inconsiderate schadenfreude emoji, emoji that people use to kind of laugh at others' pain. Um, and these are all really interesting because, of course, they don't, they're not, they weren't designed to mean these things, but they're being used in a particular way. And not everybody realizes that. And, of course, those are, those are instances of emoji use that are probably more universal than most. Um, and so, I, yeah, I think it's just opening the door to a lot of questions about the use of these things in everyday life.
I think you're you're right. I think for for me, the the evolution and the change from the emoticons, where you kind of had to learn to group those things together, and the more you did that, the more quickly you responded to them. It seems that you're saying, um, but that's changed now to these emojis, which are much more direct representations of uh, face faces that we recognise without having been exposed to this kind of acculturation of what um, a colon and a bracket look like together what Mm. that means so perhaps um you know we're much more quick to react uh, in an emotional way um to these emoji now than we would have been to those emoticons so perhaps we're entering into this new phase like, like you say where these emojis are deployed for purposes that are very different to what the actual facial representation appears to mean Yeah, but I think one of the kind of universals here across emoticons and emoji is this idea that these graphical these 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 graphics, these icons, stand out quite a bit. They stand out more than words. Um, You know, there's this interesting phenomenon with language uh, around. You know, we can't not read words when we see them. Um, It's always kind of one of these horrible things of being on Twitter is you know getting having spoilers spoiled for you by simply accidentally looking at a tweet right and you can't you can't unsee it um once you've seen the words right we we automatically read words but what's interesting is that i think these icons these emoticons and emoji actually stand out even more obviously and we can't not see them when they're in a piece of text and so that that smiley face at the end um of your message to somebody whether it's an i you know emoticon or, or emoji um it's it's almost certainly processed well before you get to the end of the message. You know, it'll stand out. It pops out to us just like faces do. We have face, you know, face effects where we see faces. Um, we can, we, we readily see faces in, in the world around us, even if they're not really there, right? We look in the clouds and can see a face or um, lots of good instances of that. And I think one of the things, one of the interesting kind of uses of emojis and emoticons is that they can, they can accent a message. They can they can draw out particular ideas, particular emotional sentiment um, quite quickly and readily um, as, as a person looks at a piece of communication. And I think there's probably a middle ground there where too many emoji sort of ruin it, make it hard for us to kind of get that, you know, that that it turns it into something else. And I think there's there are lots of popular kind of games of, you know, turning entire messages, you know, writing entire messages with emoticons. But that takes a lot more work, I think. Whereas, you know, kind of accenting your message um, with the, the important bits highlighted with emoji or emoticon is probably a, a really useful way of conveying uh, sentiment. But, you know, this is maybe an old man speaking, and I, it might well be that in 20 years my son will be writing everything in emoji and will understand it perfectly. But I think at the moment, at least, um, thinking of them as accents, as emotional accents, um, meaningful accents uh, that, that, that convey ideas perhaps more emotionally, more strongly than the words themselves is, is a really useful way of thinking about them. That, that's a curious analogy to me. Uh, let's, let's stick with that emotional accents for a second. Because um, mm. often if we hear an accent, we can become a little bit uh, curious or maybe even slightly obsessed with trying to figure out where that person's accent is from. And we may not mm. actually pay too much attention to the content of what they're speaking about. And I'm just thinking about the emojis. Is there any evidence that perhaps if, say, it was located at the end of a tweet, we prioritize looking and decoding that information? And then we actually kind of perhaps lose the content or the content is uh, then imbued with the tone of the emoji that we've actually uh, processed with priority. 
Yeah, I mean, I would. I mean, I, I don't. I can't say anything in particular, but I almost certainly assume that's happening. I mean, whether and I think, especially in a small, short piece of of communication um, that has a smiley at the end of it, where we can look at the you know the whole written segment and we that we see an emoticon at the end. Um, that emoticon will pop out well ahead of time, and ideally does trigger sort of a particular frame of mind. Does trigger a you know a, a emotional context um, for for the for the tweet um, or whatever we're reading uh to the so i i have to believe it so i haven't done this yet but i think it's worth looking at for sure and there we have it i hope you've enjoyed the fourth show in this first season you can find the abstract and link to the paper that michael was talking about in the show notes to this podcast or you can go to the website who cares what's the point.com Don't forget you can follow the show on Twitter at WCWTP or me, your host and producer, Saab Johal, at Saab. I hope you enjoyed listening to this week's show. Please send me feedback through any channel, Facebook, Twitter, or the podcast, or you can contact contact me by email at contact at whocareswhatsthepoint.com. So, see you next week on... Who cares? What's the point? Thank you.